Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of Outside the Screen, a podcast all about screens in the lives of children and families. I'm law professor and child rights advocate Liz Hansley. And I'm child psychiatrist and stand-up comedian Dr Kim Lee. We're bringing you the podcast because we just know how hard it is uh, in this technology-centric world and we want to help. Yeah. What have we got lined up for today's episode, Liz? Today on the show, you're going to hear a review of Bill and Ted Face the Music and some thoughts about stealth advertising. But first up, we've got... Paper Round, our regular segment where we look at the research that's coming out, demystify it so that you can better inform your family's decisions about how you engage with screens. Today, we're discussing some research out of the Netherlands about fragmented and sticky smartphone use. What's worse, frequently snacking on your phone or one big long binge? So stay tuned. (laughs) All right. As Kim said, today in Paper Round, we're looking at some research out of the Netherlands about sticky smartphone use. That just sounds so delicious. (laughs) Sticky date pudding. Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking of like lollies stuck all over your phone. (laughs) Yeah, get it out of here. So, Kim, why'd they do this research? Well, we're all constantly glued to our screens, all right? But there are different patterns and habits of how we pick up our phones and how frequent we do that and for Mm. how long. They wanted to find the association between two types of self-regulation failures, distraction and task delay. If you're frequently picking up distracted, Mm. interrupting Mm. different tasks, then you're going to So that's fragmented. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So those people that you see walking along the street, Gazing at their phone, that's mm. probably more sticky use. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how did they do this research? What were they up to? Well, for three weeks, they logged the smartphone usage of 160 teens. Mm-hmm. And they looked at over 730,000 yeah, observations. Wow. So these sort of interactions of picking up your phone and they uh, assess for this distraction and task delay six times a day with sampling. So that's uh, over 12,000 observations. And they, they did this by an app apparently called Ethica, mm-hmm. which they all installed on their smartphones. And essentially, I think what it does is it, it knows when you've picked it up or looked at mm. it or yeah interacted with your smartphone and mm. for how long. Okay, so they didn't know exactly what people were doing on their phones, just the fact they'd picked it up and yeah, were interacting Yeah, so if you just look it, it up, okay. um, look at the even the clock, I would say that's one interaction. Yeah, yeah. okay. Interesting. And what did they find? Well, overall, teenagers felt more distracted when their smartphone use was more uh, obviously fragmented or sticky as opposed to doing their usual daily things normally without using their phone. Mm-hmm. Both were obviously causing a lot of distraction and procrastination. Mm -hmm. And their analyses found that 77% of teenagers experienced increased distraction when their smartphone use was more fragmented Mm. and 55% more distracted when it was sticky. Okay, so fragmented is worse than sticky. Yes. But they're both pretty bad. For distraction, yeah. But for Mm. task delay... It, again, it all depends on the context and the situation, but mm. they are saying that perhaps procrastination, completing tasks may be not an issue because you're actually using your phone to complete 
the task that you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would certainly be the case with me. Of course, everybody who's listening to this is thinking, what's my smartphone use like? Is it fragmented or sticky? And I'm thinking something that I like to do in the morning is as I'm waking up, there's some stuff that I subscribe to that comes through on my email. And that's mm. just, you know, while I'm waking up is a nice time to just catch yep. up on that and read the stuff that comes through. You know, it's not terribly taxing. I find it quite interesting. So it helps me to wake up. So I might spend 20, 30 minutes mm. reading that stuff. Now, yep. that'd be sticky smartphone use, wouldn't mm. it? You know, yeah, I'm, you're in the flow. Yeah. I'm on it for that long. But yep. I'm doing something that I could well have done on my computer. And when I was sitting at my desk, I just choose to do it on my smartphone lying mm. in bed, you know. Yeah. So you'd need to take all of that into account, wouldn't you? Like yep. actually what people are doing. And, you know, I don't think it's sort of distracting me from something else I might have been doing because yep. the only other thing I'm doing is waking up. But still, it's pretty interesting to know that difference between the 77 and the 55%, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because, uh, you know, for example, today, the task of coming here to Radio Adelaide Studios in here in Adelaide, I have to be here on time, mm -hmm. but I also have to bring this equipment, yeah, uh, this microphone sock and uh, my headphones. Yep. And guess what? I got here, met you on time, but I forgot to bring it. I left it in my car. I've never forgotten anything in my life, Kim. Yeah. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> but one of the big factors other than um, not having my coffee yet, but I actually had three different text message conversations this morning mm. and I was checking them. Right. And obviously... That was a, a fragmented thing because obviously I can't cross the road of busy Green Hill Road and yeah. and, and uh, look at my phone. So I'm fragmented. Mm. I'm texting you. I'm receiving messages from other people. And you know yeah. the last thing on my mind is the the damn old you know, <laughs> microphone sock and the headphones which yeah. are in my back seat. And I keep it there now because I, right. I don't want to forget it. Yeah, it's okay. There, yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. That's the spot it lives in. Huh. But then again, on the way here, I was driving and listening to the article. You know, right. It was being read to me by artificial Beautiful. intelligence. So Very I would nice. have had to pick it up. I don't know whether the Ethica app would say that my screen was still open and functioning, but mm. it could be a mm. uh, what you call sticky use of my mm. smartphone in that situation. Yeah. So as we keep saying, context is very important, context and content. But yeah, I think we can both feel fairly relaxed that we're functioning human beings in spite of whatever we, we might do with our phones. And uh, the vast majority of people are. But it's still really interesting, as I say, to have that comparison between the 75 and the 55 and to think about that difference between fragmented and sticky. I hadn't really thought about it before. So here we go. We're all learning something. Um so, was there anything surprising about the finding? Yeah, well, they used an interesting term that I haven't really thought about before, and that's gateway behavior. So, huh. the way fragmented smartphone use might interrupt and be distracting is that you go, all right, I pick up my phone to check this notification, but then you go, oh, I might go onto this website or I might go onto this app. Mm. And you, it wasn't intended, but the interaction, the fragmented interaction led to the yeah. other behaviors. Huh. Do you have any reservations about the finding? Uh, no, I, I think it was a nice paper. Mm -hmm. Cool. Will the finding affect your practice as a psychiatrist? No, I think it, it's going to be very useful for me when I'm talking with young people. Mm. You know, I often talk about, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. With the phone. Yeah, yeah. If you know you need to study for the week, you might want to hand over your phone and lock it away, give it to your parents and, and get some work done. Mm. So what about... Parenting or caring for children, could this research inform that? Yeah, I mean, 
you've got screen time functions on your phone on a lot of products now. Mm-hmm. I think it's always handy in clinic. Have a look. Mm. You know, perhaps as a family, look, sit down and have a look at each other's screen time usage. Is that a normal behavior? Mm. How come you're spending X mm. number of hours on this? And so we all need to reflect on our behaviors and there are technologies out there to, do, to mm. help us do it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that distinction between sticky and fragmented could also become part of that conversation yeah. to say, well, you know, I, I might have had this many hours, but it was this much fragmented, this much sticky and, yeah. and so on. So that um, could just enrich that conversation. And I like that suggestion that you make that the whole family talk about everybody's habits yeah. rather than it just being you know the parents sort of yeah. scrutinizing the children i mean just literally yesterday family that i've been seeing the parent has all the screen time parental controls and then their child can actually request more time the child when they send a request it sends a an actual message to their parents phone mm-hmm. and they can just spam like just keep pressing it and then sometimes <sighs> it, it actually for whatever reason perhaps by accident they get extra time. So hmm. some of these inbuilt technologies are not foolproof and, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to have that discussion. Well, yeah, kids will still pester. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the challenge of parenting yeah. is dealing with children's pestering. Yeah. And it's natural for kids to want to pester and this is just a, a new way for them to do it. Fascinating. Well, there were a couple of pretty interesting tips from Kim about how to manage uh, phone use and how to have a conversation about it within a family. The paper was by Toyn Siebers, Ina Byans and Paddy Falkenberg and the title is The Effects of Fragmented and Sticky Smartphone Use on Distraction and Task Delay. It was published in the journal Mobile Media and Communication. Full details in the show notes. Now it's time for our movie review and David is going to tell us why Bill and Ted Face the Music is recommended for children 10 and up. Hi, I'm David Hunter, and I'm here with some information from the CMA review of Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'll tell you what the movie is about, and what elements led the reviewers to recommend the film for children at 10 and up, as well as some suggestions for things in the movie you might want to discuss with your kids. It's been over 20 years since inseparable best buddies Bill Preston and Ted Logan came back from their time-travelling adventures and celebrated success with their rock band, Wild Stallions. Now middle-aged and professionally unsuccessful, they are beginning to realize that not only have they not fulfilled the prophecy of uniting the world by song, but their fruitless endeavors have taken a toll on their marriages. However, a messenger from the future, Kelly, daughter of their past time-traveling mentor Rufus, appears with an important message. If they do not write and perform the world's greatest song by 7.17pm that night, Time and space will collapse, and the reality as we know it will end. Left with just under two hours to save the world, Bill and Ted decide to travel to the future, hoping to take the song from their future selves. Of course, things are not as straightforward as they think, and another excellent time-travelling adventure begins. Only this time, Bill and Ted also have the support of their equally goofy and good-natured daughters, Billy and Thea, who are determined to help their dads save reality. There is some violence in this movie, including where the future great leader sends a robot to kill Bill and Ted with a laser gun that sends them to hell. 
Also, future versions of Bill and Ted threaten the current Bill and Ted with a gun and shoot at them, but they miss. There are also some scenes in this movie that could scare or disturb children under the age of five, including the appearance of the robot assassin and his order to kill, and the thought of going to hell, or that death is an actual person. There is only minimal content with other elements, such as sex and substance use. Coarse language includes the words dick, dickweed, and loser. Bill and Ted Face the Music is the sequel to two previous movies from 1989 and 1991, starring the same actors, Keanu Reeves and Sam Winter. The two goofy rock nerds, though now middle-aged, are still living by their standard of being excellent to each other, and with their ever-enthusiastic vision to unite the world by song. Featured violence, scary characters and themes are mainly of a slapstick nature and taken to absurd and over-the-top levels. Therefore, the film is likely to appeal to a family audience with children aged 10 and over, with parental guidance for children from age 7. The main messages from this movie are that you should be excellent to each other, that it is never too late to follow your dream, and that persistence, teamwork and creativity go a long way. Values in this movie that parents may wish to reinforce with their children include friendship, determination, working together, and standing united for a greater purpose. Bill and Ted Face the Music could also give parents the opportunity to discuss with their children the importance of not giving up on hope, on oneself, on loved ones, and on one's dreams. As a bonus, the daughter's escapades put them in touch with significant figures from musical history, and watching the movie could be a great opportunity to introduce your children to those. Bill and Ted Face the Music is available on at least one popular streaming platform, and the CMA reviewers recommend for children 10 and up, parental guidance for 7 to 9 year olds. For children under 7, best to find another movie. There is a more detailed review of this and hundreds of other movies on the CMA website. And when David talks about the CMA website, that's www.childrenandmedia.org.au. You can find the reviews by clicking on the Movie Reviews tab, then you can sort the list or search by title alphabetically, by age suitability, by classification or by date added. All of the reviews are prepared by people with training in child development and they cover every G and PG title released in Australian cinemas since 2002, as well as some selected M-rated movies and some pre-2002 ones that are available on streaming services. The website also has reviews of game-style apps and apps that may appeal to young children. Again, it's www.childrenandmedia.org.au. You might also like to join the CMA Facebook community, which is facebook.com forward slash Australian Council on Children and the Media, all one word. More details later on how to keep in touch and give feedback. Now it's time to have a chat about our policy development of the day. Liz and I are going to have a look at stealth advertising. We got sticky and we got fragmented and now we're going to have stealth. (laughs) So Liz, what's going on in the US about stealth advertising? It comes out of the Federal Trade Commission, which is the equivalent of the Australian ACCC, the Australian what is it? Australian Consumer and Competition Commission. And it's a staff paper. Now, I'm not sure exactly what a staff paper is, but it's obviously some kind of internal document. And mm. we do know that it came out of a workshop they held in October, okay. in October 2022. 
And really, the problem it addresses is nothing new at all. It's the blurring of editorial or entertainment content with advertising. Uh, Why exactly is that a problem? I guess it ultimately comes down to consumers knowing the intent underlying the message. And in Australia, we're all familiar with that phrase, cash for comment, which arose from a situation back in the late 90s where some radio announcers had been paid to talk up certain companies and products, but they didn't disclose that it was advertising. They made it sound like they were just saying nice things about these Mm. products and companies because they liked them. Mm. And when it was revealed that they were being paid, Mm. that was quite a big scandal because Mm. the listeners have a right to know that you're being paid to say something and not that you're saying it because that's your own personal or independent judgment. So very similar dynamic and issue when it comes to stealth advertising or the blurring of advertising and content. And it's all only made sharper when we're talking about kids because there's research that shows that before a certain age, children don't understand the selling intent behind the advertising message. That if a child sees an ad for a particular type of confectionery, for example, they'll think, oh, these people are telling me about this confectionery because Mm. they know that I'm going to really like it rather than they want my money, yeah. they want to sell it to me. They need the critical thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know, a lot of adults get caught out on that kind of stuff from time to time as well. Yeah. But with kids, it's especially uh, an issue and especially an ethical issue, really, because kids haven't had the chance to develop those defences. So it's an ongoing issue and has been for a long time. But it's, it's yeah. good to see the, the FTC picking it up again and looking at it particularly in the context of online content because it's just yeah. you know, gone on steroids. With yeah, because... One of our earlier episodes that we published was about influencers and how they can yeah. influence you by being very relatable, familiar and mm. entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Influencers are a huge blurring of entertainment and advertising. And another one is Adver Games. There are companies that want to advertise their product mm. and in order to do so, they don't just sort of have an ad online saying, hey, kids, come and consume our product. They provide a game and the child can spend hours playing this game, but there's all advertising embedded in the game. That's another major blurring. Yeah. What kind of measures can advertisers take to avoid that kind of blurring? Well, you can have some kind of clear separation between the two kinds of content. So just some kind of break or like a little screen saying, you know, you're now going to hear an ad or see an ad. And that's what traditionally they used to do on TV, that when there was an ad break, there would be a little screen saying, you know, you're now going to see ads. Or you can have some kind of declaration about the nature of the content. But the paper recognises that that's unlikely to be effective, especially where small children are concerned. So you need to, they really need to keep thinking about that. If this is an age-old problem, why haven't we addressed it yet? Well, very, very strong resistance from industry, basically. Yeah, Even in the days of TV, there was very strong resistance. And as I was saying before, in digital times, it's even harder because it's all non-linear. You don't have that sense of, oh, you know, you are now viewing this content. We are now going to have a break. So there's an ad. I mean, that's just not how most things work online. So it's just that much harder to regulate because it's inherently international, as we keep mentioning. And also the length of time that children spend online. We've just been talking about that as well. Just the huge amount of time that children are spending online. So very hard to regulate it in that sense. And lack of supervision that that these things are accessed on small devices that children can carry around and have have in their rooms and whatever. So very hard for adults to keep it supervised. 
So all of those things just make it much, much, much harder to address this kind of thing. And as I mentioned before, advert games and influencers and just I'm sure there's lots of mm. other kinds of content that are particular to online environments that are very, very hard to address. Did they have much to say about the lack of supervision? Well, look, I was pleased to note how they said how unreasonable it would be to put the burden on parents. So they, they note the lack of supervision, but they don't say, well, parents just need to supervise. They do recognise that um, that's just really, really hard to do. So the first and principal message coming out of it all is that advertisers and platforms simply shouldn't blur advertising. So they're interested in making sure that that doesn't happen rather than saying parents should sort of clean up afterwards. They talk about using formatting techniques and visual and verbal cues to make the separation clear, for example. So that's all part of the conversation that's going on. Plus a number of other recommendations they've made, which I won't go into now, but there'll be a link in the show notes so people can look that up if they're interested. The important thing, really, is that they say no one recommendation is sufficient. And that's also a really nice, hopeful message from my perspective, Mm. because so often with these kinds of issues, very, very complex issues and intractable issues, there's a discussion about a particular potential solution. And there will always be one person say, oh, that's not a silver bullet. And nothing's a silver bullet. You really need a whole integrated approach to um, a range of different measures to address it. Yeah. What do you think will come of of all this? Well, if anybody can get change happening on this, it's the FTC. But um, do note the danger of serious industry pushback on something like this because there's a lot at stake from the perspective of industry. And we also tend to get into these whack-a-mole games, what I think of as whack-a-mole games where you regulate one thing and then the advertising dollar just goes to another kind of thing that's not regulated yet and and so you can just end up chasing the problem around the place. But otherwise, uh, yeah, there's a good chance that something good could happen from it. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Yes, that's a wrap for episode 18. We'd really love to have your feedback, so please get in touch either through Facebook or Instagram. Just search for outside the screen pod all one word or you can email us at outside the screen pod at gmail.com you can also catch up on all things gaming addiction on my website cgiclinic.com or even book an appointment to see me in my virtual clinic or if you really like us you can help by becoming a subscriber on substack details are in the show notes along with a range of further info about the things we've been discussing we'd also love it if you could spread the word about the podcast among your friends and colleagues So if you're listening on Substack, you can get a private RSS feed, so each episode will appear directly on your favorite listening platform. Just click on the listen button and follow the prompts. We're working on getting episodes directly on the platform, so please watch this space. Yeah, we'll get there, promise. Hi everyone, it's Liz here, and I just have a bit of news before we sign off. Kim and I are taking a little break after this episode and we'll be back on the 19th of November with episode 19. We've got some great content lined up for that and the next couple of episodes, including sleep disturbance, food ads, cartoons, influences, parental mediation and the cultural impact of Australian kids TV, plus some new voices in the movie review section. If you don't want to miss out, the best thing is to subscribe now and then you'll get an email when the next episode drops. Meanwhile, I'm going to be working on some developments to take the show to the next level. 
including getting feeds directly to other listening platforms, as I've been promising to do for a while, and getting some feedback from you, our listeners, about what you love and what you'd like us to change. You're always welcome to email us, but I'm going to set up something a bit more structured, which might suit you better. Again, if you want to be part of it, please hit that subscribe button now and then we'll know how to contact you. We promise not to give your email address to anybody else and we'll just use it to send messages out when there is actual news about the podcast. Okay, thanks for listening and talk to you soon. And this This has been been the team from Outside the Screen. Screen.